0: Let's pray together as we uh, get ready to turn to God's Word this morning. Father, we come and we're just grateful. Uh, We're grateful for a beautiful day, but Lord, um, just so much more grateful for you inviting us to gather together in your presence, um, to be reminded of who you are, to be challenged, to think bigger, uh, to trust you more to love you more. Father, will you help us hear your voice today, the voice of your Spirit? Uh, Will you soften our hearts? Will you just change us, Lord? Make us the people you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, you can help yourself to uh, one that's in front of you there in the rack. Uh, If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, we'd love to have you just take that, just write your name in it and take it home. Matthew chapter 5, first book of the New Testament, first of four biographies we have about Jesus. And I just want to invite you right now to join me. We're just going to sit at his feet. And we want to listen to him teach us about true happiness. Would you like to be as happy as you can? I say that because of a word Jesus uses over and over again in this teaching here in Matthew 5. He keeps using the word blessed or blessed. And to be blessed means to be truly and deeply happy. And experiencing the joy that God created us to know. And here in these Beatitudes, Jesus is telling us who the people are in this world who really are truly happy. And uh, whatever people might think leads to true happiness, Jesus is explaining to us the way it really is. Who are those people who are truly blessed? Uh, According to Jesus, it's not the celebrities. It's not, the, it's not the rich and famous, it's not the powerful, it's not the big shots. Now the people who are really blessed in this world are those who trust him to be king of their lives, who embrace, who live out his values, his priorities, the things that he says are important, the things that he says matter, the things he says are good, even if that's very different from what our world is saying. So if we want to be blessed people, then we've got to be flipped people, and we need to embrace Jesus as our king and live the life that he wants us to live, a life that is right side up in a world that's very upside down. So today we come to Beatitude number six in Matthew chapter five, it's in verse nine, Let's start reading back at verse 1, so follow along as I read, beginning at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. sons of god let's say that last one together our beatitude for the day we begin there at verse 9 with the word blessed ready here we go blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god one more time blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god now when you first hear this one this priority of jesus that his followers be peacemakers It may not seem like it's really all that upside down compared to the world's priorities. After all, aren't peacemakers highly honored in our world? And Doesn't everybody want peace? I mean, if I asked you that, I said, would you like peace? What would you say? Sure. Don't we all want peace? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, we all want peace if, We can have it on our terms, right? Thinking of my own life, I think my life would be just full of peace. It would be overflowing with peace if everybody around me would just always do what I want. (laughs) Is that so much to ask? Well, actually, yes, it is. Because everybody else wants the same thing. Everybody's got this annoying tendency to want everything that they want when they want it. So, do I want peace? Well, it depends. It depends on whether I want peace more than I want having it my way. And that's why this world is so full of conflicts everybody wants it their way it's so easy to say you're for peace in theory it's so easy to say uh, we want peace it's a very different thing to be a peace maker so let's i mean to to want peace to actually be committed to pursuing peace according to what jesus wants instead of what we want his way not our way that is upside down. All right, so we want to think through what Jesus is talking about here with some questions. We'll start with what does it mean to be a peacemaker? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, we use the word peace in different ways. Uh, Last week, Greg talked to us from Philippians chapter 4 about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, the peace that guards our hearts and our minds. When we pray with thanksgiving about everything that tempts us to be anxious, but instead we pray with thanksgiving about those things, that's an inner peace that comes from trusting Christ with everything in our lives. And it's it's wonderful. It's and it's essential really. You you can't really be a peacemaker without having peace yourself. You can't make peace if you don't have peace. But here here in verse 9, Jesus is talking about making peace, and making peace goes beyond just experiencing peace. Jesus is calling us to extend the peace that he gives us to the people and the situations around us. He's calling us uh, peacemaking, is wanting to see Jesus bring wholeness, not just inside of us, but outside of us as well. Wholeness. That's really the, the basic idea of peace. The Bible uses the word shalom, wholeness, everything as it ought to be, everything just in its right place, everything in right relationship. So we're talking about harmony instead of conflict. We're talking about unity instead of division. We're talking about relationship instead of separation. Peace. You know, there's a sense in which you could say that peace is, is what the Bible's all about. It's really the big story of the Bible, you know, because we start out with wholeness in Eden, and then we go through brokenness, all the brokenness that our sin has caused, and then we come ultimately to wholeness restored in the new heaven and the new earth, so, if you think about it, Jesus died. This is, this is piece is what Jesus came and died for. Look at Colossians 1.19. For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him, through Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So peace is a big deal. It's a big deal to Jesus. He died for it. What then does it mean for his people to be peacemakers? Okay, now when you hear that, peacemakers, that could potentially be a little misleading the idea here is of being a peace pursuer. Jesus isn't talking about making peace happen as if we have the power to just bring it about. He's telling us to pursue peace, to, uh, to do as much as we can to bring about peace. You, you and I can't actually make peace happen because we can't control what other people do. And sometimes what other people do Undermines peace. Sometimes what we do undermines peace. Yeah, but the only one we can really control is ourselves. Uh, notice what it says in Romans twelve eighteen: If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11. For whoever desires to love life and see good days... Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So when Jesus talks about being peacemakers, this is what he means. He means people to whom peace really matters. It's important. Uh, People who want peace, people who seek peace... People who do what they can to bring it about, whenever there is relational brokenness, to pursue peace, even if we're not always successful. Now, we'll consider how to go about that here in just a minute, but let's first think through why it's important. Why does it matter? Jesus says that peacemaking is a, is a characteristic, it's a quality of his followers, along with all the other qualities he's been talking about in these Beatitudes, so being poor in spirit and mourning sin and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and all of these things. He says his people are to be characterized by peacemaking, and he promises great blessing to them. Why? Why? Why are peacemakers blessed? Why are peacemakers blessed? Because, Jesus says, they will be called sons of God. Those who pursue real peace. Now, I'm not talking here about the fake superficial stuff that is so typical in our world. You know, these these temporary artificial ceasefires where people agree to stop shooting at each other for a short time, but nothing really changes. There's no real peace there. Not that, but the real wholeness that comes from being genuinely reconciled to God and reconciled to others. Jesus is saying, for those who pursue that, There is an awareness, there comes a confidence that they belong to the family of God. And the reason that awareness, that confidence comes is because they bear a strong resemblance to their father, namely God. Karen and I uh, recently went down to Newburgh to visit our son Daniel down at George Fox University, and he was introducing us to some of his friends. And one of his friends looked at me and said, Oh, yeah, I can tell you're Daniel's father, because you guys look a lot alike. And I thought that was really cool. You know, it is, it is cool as a parent, you know, when people see that family resemblance. I'm not sure it's quite so cool for the kid <laughs> to to have to look at what he might look like in 20 or 30 years. (laughs) But family resemblance. And the family resemblance Jesus is talking about here is definitely cool. This This is awesome. To look like God. To look like God. Because you're a peacemaker. Because that's... God is the ultimate peacemaker, which is amazing. I mean, this is a truth we should just relish. We should get excited about. We should praise Him for that God is a peacemaker. You think about it. If there was anyone who was justified in giving up on a relationship and just saying, you know, I've had it, I'm done. This thing is over, it's broken, and it's your fault, and I want nothing to do with you ever again. If anyone had the right not to pursue reconciliation and simply, you know, God regarding us would have been completely justified. God could have said to us, He could have said, You're guilty. By all that is right and true, justice demands that you be separated from me forever. So just go to hell. And he would have been absolutely in the right to say that. Because we have no good reason for defying him. We have no good reason for dishonoring Him. We have no good reason for distrusting Him. And yet that is what we have done again and again and again. The human race doesn't deserve peace. We don't deserve it. When we experience brokenness, when we experience turmoil, when we experience conflict, when we experience war and all the ugliness of it, we are simply reaping the consequences of our own rebellion against God. And yet, God did not quit. God is a peacemaker. He chose to pursue reconciliation in a way That satisfied both his infinite love and his infinite justice. Infinite love, infinite justice come together and God pursued reconciliation in in the cross. That's why you can look at the cross and say, that's God's love. And you can look at the cross and say, that's God's justice. They come together. The cost of peace was staggering. Staggering. And yet God pursued it. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Let me uh, set the stage here a little bit so we'll know what he's talking about. The Apostle Paul here is writing to Gentiles. If you don't know what a Gentile is, a Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish. By physical descent from this man called Abraham and his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of their descendants, the Jews. God had revealed himself to Abraham, made certain promises to him, and his descendants entered into this relationship, a covenant relationship. And so all the physical descendants, and, and uh, th- those are Jews outside of that, Gentiles. And for centuries, there's just this deep division, this deep separation between Jew and Gentile. And Paul is writing to Gentiles and telling them how God has made it possible for them to overcome that separation. What God has done to bring them together so they can be at peace with one another. And the reason Jew and Gentile can be at peace with one another is because in Jesus' They can both be at peace with God. So we're picking it up here at verse 13 in Ephesians 2. But now, in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by His death. For He Himself, look at that, Jesus Himself is our peace, who has made us both one. Now look at this. For through Him, through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See, when God is your Father, when He's no longer your adversary, when He's no longer your enemy, when He's no longer your judge, your condemner, the one who condemns you because of your sin, But instead, when he has become the one who justifies you, who makes you right, and he sets you free, and he calls you his child because all of your guilt has been removed in Jesus. When you have peace with God, then you are able... To be at peace and to make peace with anyone. Why? Because we can't lose. We can't lose. Isn't that why we insist on our own way? We want to have it our way because we're afraid if we don't have it our way, we're going to lose. But we can't lose in Christ. God has given us Himself in Christ, He's given us Himself. And he promises to make right every wrong. You know, we worry so much about injustices and we should be against injustice. We should do what we can do to help see justice done. But the fact is we can't, we can't take care of it all and God promises that he will. Whatever injustices you've suffered, whatever injustices I've suffered, ultimately in Christ, when God says it's all said and done, it will all be done. It'll all be taken care of. In Jesus, we have everything. And so we can forgive. And we can be reconciled. And we can be content. So we never have to insist on our way, it's His way that matters. And so now we can enjoy the blessing of that family resemblance. We can enjoy the blessing of being peacemakers, of being like our Father. All right, let's talk about how do we make peace. Now, this all starts, of course, like everything else in the Beatitudes. It starts with coming to Christ and putting our confidence, our trust, our hope in Him. It starts by responding to the good news, the offer of peace that God has given us in Christ. Because if we don't have that peace, then we can't make peace. So this assumes we're starting there. What can we do to make peace? Here are some practical things we can do. First, share that good news. Share the gospel. Share the good news that everybody can have peace with God through Jesus Christ by faith. So Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, made right with God, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith in Christ. Any attempt to find peace, any attempt to make peace apart from Christ is doomed to be superficial and temporary. And that's why peace is such a fleeting thing in our world, because everybody's trying to find it without Christ. There is no ultimate peace without Christ, because it's only in Christ that we are made right with God. And if you want to have peace, you got to be right with God. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, and we only receive the Spirit when we receive Christ. So, sharing the gospel is essential to peacemaking. That's being a peacemaker. And as you know, you saw the video, we have a very timely opportunity to help us with this in this My Hope America outreach that's coming up in a month And uh, Pastor Mark is providing training on Wednesday nights at 7. So if you'd like some help, you'd like some encouragement, you want to be a peacemaker, by all means, come and get equipped to share Christ with your neighbors, your coworkers. And let's just be asking God, let's be asking God to help us become better peacemakers by becoming better proclaimers of His good news. The good news that in Jesus, we have peace with God. It's it's critical. So, share the gospel. Second thing we can do to uh, make peace is to expect conflict and handle it biblically. Now, that probably sounds like a weird thing to say. Hey, to be a peacemaker, you need to expect conflict. But the fact is, we we really have to. If we don't expect conflict, then we'll be surprised by it, and we won't be ready to handle it. We won't deal with it. Um, Well, think about this. Think about this beatitude. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Does that not assume there's going to be conflict? I mean, if there's no conflict, there's no need for peacemakers, you don't need to make peace when you already got it. So this assumes conflict is a part of life. And other places in the Bible make it very clear that conflict is going to be a part of life even among church-going people who love Jesus and want to do it His way. Jesus makes it very clear that's still going to be the case until He returns. Why? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm still in process. And I think you are too. We've all got rough edges. We, we all still have that stubborn streak, you know. Well, it's having convictions when you're talking about yourself. Other people, it's stubbornness. But, <laughs> but we should not. See, if you expect life to be conflict-free, You're just setting yourself up for major disappointment. Or what you're going to do is you're going to play this game called peace faking, not peacemaking. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, not peace fakers. And so we need to expect that Jesus is going to bring into our lives, or at least allow into our lives, things that are going to require us to be peacemakers. He's going to do it. I mean, it says in James, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. You know what one of the biggest kind of trials we get? It's called conflict. So we need to expect that. We need to expect that He's going to bring that into our lives, allow that into our lives, so that we can rely on Him to help resolve the conflict. Not pretend it doesn't exist, but to try as far as it depends on us. He wants us to be peacemakers, not peace figures. If you try to go around avoiding all conflict at all costs, you'll just be phony. You'll just be disappointed. You'll be unprepared to deal with conflict in a healthy, Christ honoring way. This world needs a whole lot more Christians who are expecting conflict and relying on Jesus to help resolve conflict. Don't pretend it's not there, rely on Jesus and do the things he tells us to do. Like, examine ourselves. You know, that whole thing about don't try to help your brother with a speck in his eye when you've got a log in your eye. Examine yourself, get rid of the log, then you can help your brother. Um, Examine ourselves. Admit our own contribution in the conflict. Even if it's only 1%, admit the 1%. When it comes to issues that are minor... Minor meaning things that the Bible does not highlight as majors, as sins. We're talking minor issues. Choose to overlook those. And when things are too big to overlook, choose to love enough to confront graciously. Forgive, choose to forgive, and so on. The Bible tells us how to handle conflict. So expect it. Handle it biblically. And then one more thing to be a peacemaker. Pray for peace. Pray for peace. Pray for it in your family. Pray for it in your church. Pray for it in your community. Pray for it in our world. Uh, Look at Isaiah 9-6. Look at some of these titles that Jesus has. These are wonderful. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ask the Prince of Peace to bring peace. Ask him to help us pursue peace. To restore brokenness, to heal relationships, to reconcile divided people. Let's do that right now. Let's bow together for prayer. And uh, I just want to invite you to take a moment and first ask yourself Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God? You can only be one way, and that is through receiving His full pardon that He bought and paid for with the death of His Son, Jesus. So if today you want to be at peace with God and you know you're not, just just ask Him. Say, Lord Jesus, I need the forgiveness. I need the peace that You alone can give, and I'm asking You to give that to me. And then maybe think about the relationships in your life. Is there one where you need to be a peacemaker? What can you do? Well, it starts with praying. So let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are Prince of Peace. And you died to bring peace. And Lord, as we look around our lives in our world, we don't see much of it. we see a world that just continues to try to do it our own way. Lord, grant us the humility to come before you and to ask you to fill us with your spirit and to make us peacemakers. Make us people who want peace, who are willing to pursue it, even if it means giving up our way. Lord, because it's your way that matters. It's your way that's good. It's your way that brings life and joy. So help us. We want the blessing of being peacemakers. We ask you to bring that about in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.